Mr. Number two from the from the studio to the Seder. Uh, the first thing we we'll do, because some of you will know, we're going to review the key points of the last year, and little by little, we're going to get to the Seder. But the goal of the series is to understand the Seder better and understand the Seder better, and we'll see how they're related. They're related through obviously through Yisat Mitzrayim. The main thing we talked about in the first year is we divided the Seder into three parts. We talked about Sukkot Zimra, which is praise, and then we had pledge of allegiance with Swishma, and we had petition or prayer, which we call Shmon Esrei. And we focused on the famous machlok between Ramban and Rambam, whether the Sechiyah the right to, to Davin or not. Before I begin that, I want to just explain how that's going to connect to Pesach. The key word that both Ramban and Rambam build their approach on is the word Eved, what it means to be an Eved Hashem. We're going to review that in a minute. And of course, the whole theme of being an Eved to God begins with becoming Avarim to Paro in order to become Avarim to God. Remember, God doesn't take us out of Egypt to become free, which is to go from Pharaoh being our master to Hashem being our master. But there's a difference between a slave and a servant. A servant, in the same word in Hebrew, is Eved. But in English, a slave doesn't like his boss and would run away if he could. A servant likes his job. So we'll talk about this idea of Abudah, and then we'll see how it's going to relate to first to Tefillah and the whole sitter. And then to obviously to Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So just a quick review of the key points we made. The Rambam has its Mitzvah to say to Davin, and his source is Bavaratem at Hashem Elokechem. And then, what does Avodah mean? He uses the Pasuk and Shema to prove there's a concept of Avodah Shabbat. But what's surprising in the Rambam is that the, I need a Chiyub Diorita, I need a Pasuk that's in command form, and he Tafka picks the Pasuk that's followed, we talked about later, but all the things people daven for. If you serve a God, he'll, break, he'll bless your water, and he'll bless your bread, and he'll bless your land, he'll give you long life, and you'll have children, and you'll win your wars, and all the things that people pray for. That was from Shemot Chav Gimel, that was in the first year. Then we saw how the Ramban disagreed in saying that's not Pshat of the Pasuk there. And he holds Kriyat Shema and Berchat Hamozen is the Oraita, but Tefillah is the Rabbanan. And because he says the main Pshat of the Pasuk that the Rambam is quoting, is a way of life. Ramban says, I can't take the Pasuk that the Rambam is quoting to say Tzichiv Tadavan. That's Tzichiv, which is a way of life in Judaism, serving God. And that's the basic principle. It's a Nikar, an idea of God knowing what's in your heart. And then both Ramban and Ramban quoted from Sefer Melachim, and that's going to be the key point, our point of departure in this year. And I want to use this to explain Shmon Esra. So when Shlomo dedicates the Beit HaMikdash, he gives his famous tefillah, Lishmoel Reina Vela Tefillah. So he talks about should, the, should there be a drought, be a Sarah Shamayim, and what's the reason? The key point we made is that when calamity or disaster or something bad is happening to Am Yisrael, again, we're talking on the national level, not just the personal level. And again, the assumption is, if something's going wrong, because they've sinned, then they daven. And the purpose of davening is to recognize that God is bringing the punishment. It's their job to do tshuva. How do you do tshuva? That would be a different topic. And then we say, once they do tshuva, the purpose of tefillah is to recognize your sin. And then you pray that God will forgive you. And then he'll show you the proper way. The way they should go. and then. If we'll answer your prayer, we'll give you back the rain and take away the drought. And we talked about Dever, which is the epidemic idea. It says, Rav Kiyah Baaretz, and Dever Kiyah Baaretz, Shidafon, all these different things. Kiyah Tzad Okay, there's our Konek of Bachala, and now listen to the Pasuk Lamechem. Kot Fila B'chot China, Asher Tiyah L'chol Adam, L'chol Amcha Yisrael, Asher Yudun Ish Negel Elavo. Before I can do Tshuva, I have to realize what I'm doing wrong. So a person first has to know and understand what he's done wrong. Then he can want to do tshuva, and then he can ask for forgiveness. So you see those three steps? 
recognizing what you've done wrong, recognizing that you turn to God when things are bad, recognizing what you've done wrong, wanting to do tshuva, wanting to do better, and asking God to forgive you. Now, just look at the first three brachot of Shemun Esrei. What's the first bracha we say? We ask for chonein dat. What I want to claim is the first bracha of chonein dat is the first step before you can do tshuva, before you can ask for forgiveness, you have to know what you've done wrong. And that requires understanding, understanding of what God wants from you, understanding what the Torah is about, what your connection to God is about, what life is about. And therefore, we ask God to give us wisdom to understand what life is about and what to look for and how to, how to improve. You might want to do better, but what's the right thing to do? A person needs to pray to understand not only what to pray for, but how to do tshuva. So therefore, the first thing we ask for is wisdom and understanding to be able to, to be in Eber Hashem. Then we talk about doing tshuva. Now that I know what I've done wrong, then I can ask God and to help me do tshuva, to want to do better, to return to the Torah, and then to do tshuva. And once you've done that, then you ask God for slicha. So I'm trying to show you that what we say in Shemun the first three brachot of the tefillah section, very much relate to Shlomo Zmetlach's tefillah. And it's all based on the idea that the whole point of tefillah is not, oh, I need rain, I'm praying for rain. But rather, if God's taking away the rain, or if there's some calamity or disaster or some trouble, it's a sign from God that we have to do better. And the first thing we have to do is ask what we can do better. Now, how do you know what we're doing wrong? That's another topic we'll get to later. But the very idea that davening has to be something transformative. Now, if I take the flip side, believing that there's a God who's all-powerful, and I believe that God controls the rain and health and everything, but the way to get God on my side is saying magic words or some magic incantation or, or just praising him all day long. And all I need to do is butter him up and he'll listen to me without anything transformative, without any change about my life. Was when you're serving God or basically God's working for you, you believe that he's all-powerful, but I have to do something magical to get him to be on my side that's had nothing to do with your behavior, we'll see later on, Yermiel is going to call that Avodat Baal. Because that's exactly what a rain god is. A rain god is, the rain god's in charge of rain. I pray to the rain god to give me rain. I don't pray to the rain god to be a better person. I say, there's some rain god in charge of rain. I got to praise him all day long or do some kind of crazy rain dance to get rain. So Yermiel's going to complain to the people later on, you're coming to the Beit HaMikdash not because you want to be God's people. You're coming to the Beit HaMikdash because you want him to win your wars. You're coming to the Beit HaMikdash because you want you know, prosperity, you want health, you want wealth and things like that. You're not coming to Beit HaMikdash to remember what it means to be Jewish. And therefore, he calls the people coming to the Mikdash, even though you're coming to serve God, he calls them Abbe Ba'u instead of Abbe Hashem. Once we say those first three brachot, the next thing, three things we pray for are the things that people always pray for. Gula is not on the national sense. Gula is any trouble you're in because... Long-term gula is going to be from Kabbalah Shofar. The last six brachot will be more on the national redemption side. Gula is from any trouble that you're in. But basically, getting out of any kind of trouble you're in is gula. Then there's refuah, which is classic. And then parnasah, which is brachalainu. So the three classic things people pray for, for life to be good and not to be in trouble. Then asking for refuah and asking for health. That's refuah and asking for parnasah. That's going to be brachalainu. And that's the first half of Shemun Esrei. When we get to the Kabbalah Shofar Garolachirutena, we're going to talk about redemption. That'll be more on the national level. We'll deal with the second half of Shemun later when we go back to bigger things. To prove that, uh, we saw the Rambam in Chotani. We said pretty much the same thing. It's mitzvah say to do tshuva. But Ramban said, is a source of tefillah. Rambam takes the exact same tzukim as a source of taniyot. This was the key point we made at the end of this year. 
אבל אם יזעקו ולא יריעו, אלא יאמרו דבר זה ממנהג העולם, נראה לנו, when people think that when there's natural disasters, there are epidemics and things like that, it's just by chance, and they turn to God, not realizing that God wants them to do tshuva, but simply they're turning to God and saying things are just by chance, but it doesn't lead to better behavior. And he says, this sara zoni krani krait, just happened by chance. If that's your attitude and understanding, it'll only lead to bad behavior. If prayer doesn't lead to, to, to tshuva and proper tshuva, then you're missing the whole point of prayer. Now, I want to bring just one proof from Yechezkel. I could bring a thousand, not a thousand, a hundred. But Yechezkel says it right before us. When God's bringing the Churban, and Yechezkel is explaining to the people in exile why God's destroying Yerushalayim, tells the people as follows. He, he's talking to the people in Bavel about what's happening in Yerushalayim before the Korban. Source 3. This is a proof that God is sending these vehicles to punish the people. Cherev, that's classic war. Ra'av, it's going to be famine. Chaya Ra'av, endeavor, endeavor being an epidemic. He says, all those four things, Shilachti el Yerushalayim l'chirim men adamu God's saying, I'm the one who sent them. And then, when they get to Galut, and therefore, when the people come from exile and tell you what happened in Yerushalayim, that should be a wake-up call to the people in exile to learn from their mistakes and know how to improve so they're worthy for redemption later on. Just support that from two Haftarot, which we all know by heart from Yishayahu. Yishayahu Perakalev, which we say right before Teshavah in Shabbat Chazon. The famous one, Shimon Dvar Hashem, Ksine Stom, Lameli Rov Seif Chechem. He says, Chodesh Shabbat, Kromi Kralo, Chalapen Batsar, I can't take you when you come to Shul. Then Chodeshechem, Undechem, Sanan, Avshi, Ayulot, the Torah. When you come on Rosh Chodesh, on your holidays, it's, it's annoying for God. I can't take it. And then here's the Tefillah side. This is like classic Isaiah. Ufreschem Kapichem, Alim Einamikem. When you come and daven, left up your hands and davening, I'm going to hide my eyes from you. Your hands are full of iniquity. And therefore, when you dive in, I'm not going to listen to what you're praying. Instead, what do you do first? Get rid of your bad ways. And then the famous line, that'll be the second after Shemun we'll get to later on. So simply, there's no doubt that that's how Yishaya understood both the psukim from Shlomo Melech and the way we understood Chumash. And then on Yom Kippur, people don't realize that the Haptar for Shachrit is like really sharp because Yishayahu is making fun of people who are fasting. God tells the Nebi, give it to him, yell at them, give him Musar. And then he makes fun of them, Boti Yom Yom Yidushun, you the people are coming to me looking for God. I want to be close to God. They think they're coming and wanting to know God. They're acting like people who did nothing wrong. They're talking about all the day, what laws do we have to follow? How would I get close to God? And then the people are asking God, how come we're fasting, you don't answer our prayers? The people are complaining to God, we're praying, we're fasting, you don't answer our prayers. And then God answers back, You think God likes your fast days when you're being mean to one another? What's a real fast day? Yishayu, this famous line. What's the real fast day that God wants? Lachmecha, 
כי תראה על רום וכיסיתו, מסתכל לא תתעלם. בין אז, when you fix your society, אז יפקע כשר חוריך, then your light will shine through, like the morning sun, and then I'll heal you. And then the famous line, אז תקרא בהשם יענה. Then when you daven, God will answer your prayers. אם תסיר מתוך המותיו, you get rid of iniquity in your society. I just added a couple of sources to what we did last time. Yeah, question, Afon. Go ahead. Here it sounds like tefillah is not necessarily transformative. It sounds like tefillah comes after already you've corrected, after, after you, the people have already corrected the behavior. We'll see later on that God won't wait until you fix your ways to solve the problem. The second God sees you care and you want to do better, even if you haven't done better yet, the fact you took upon yourself to do better, that's a reason enough to kind of take away the punishment. If you show them that you care and you want to do better. Elazar, yeah. So far, the assumption has sort of been that by recognizing God's hand in, in the tzarot that are happening to us, you, you then are prompted to, to better your ways. But what happens when you, either you recognize that God is doing it, but you say, oh, I'm, I'm still going to ignore it. Like, I know why God's doing it, but I'm still going to ignore it and continue to do bad things. Or if you say, I don't know why it's happening, but I'm still going to better my ways. What, what, like, what happens when those two things are separated? Which one is really the important one? The important one is your behavior. So the, the big question is, which we didn't talk about, how do you know what you're doing wrong? So let's say I know God's not happy with me. I need to fix my ways. I, I talked about last time, last year, that's what the rabbi's speech is for. But you have to have a good rabbi. And that's what Sefer Tehillim is about. I asked you to read Tehillim Tetvav, about what God's looking for. Now, what I'll show you later on when we have time is that I want to have an idea, what are the key things that gets God really angry? So we have Yishayel, we have Yirmiyel, we have Hosea, Michal, we have even Chumash. We have examples from Nevim. What are the things that are sort of the tipping point from God's point of view that gets him really angry? So if I'm not sure... What are the things we have to work on? And I have great examples in the beam, and we find out things that really got, make God angry. That will give me a good indicator of what we need to work on. And in, the overall principle is don't point fingers. Don't say what someone else is doing wrong. Everyone has to do what they can do better. Now the question, who is me? Me is me, myself, me, my family, me, my community. But we usually have the tendency, I told you, ever since Adam Arisha, when something goes wrong, we blame, we blame somebody else. It's not my fault. It's some other group that's to blame. We talked about all the, uh, I call the Sinat Chinam game. Where always, there's always good reasons for Sinat Chinam. That's a second question, how to do tshuva. But I want to point out for the Rambam and Ramban, and almost all, all the prophetic sources, is davening is not saying magic words, and then God answering, I have to say this parakintilim, or these words, or say these magic things, and God will answer. If it's not transformative, and doesn't come to at least cheshbon and nefesh, what we can do better, the beamers are complaining about that left and right. Then there's a flip side. I'll tell you where the danger of this approach is. The danger is because, oh, all I need to do is be a good person. Who needs to daven? I'll just be a good person. Then there goes Judaism. You understand the danger of the flip side? And that's why in, in rabbinic Judaism, there's always a bit of wariness to teach like this. And you put so much an emphasis that what the Nevim would call prophetic Judaism, you put too much an emphasis that what God really cares about is good behavior and serving God as the people the way you behave is most important, then, oh, I got the point. So what if I don't say Shmonesre? What if I miss Narf, whatever it is? I'll be, be a good person. And then once you start with that, within a generation, you have no, no religion left, maybe two generations. That's how reform begins. That's how Christianity began. That's how every, every movement that broke away from Judaism begins exactly with that approach. So there's an historical danger in teaching this, 
On the other, there's also a prophetic danger not teaching it. And the educational dilemma is how to find the balance between them. So Shema, I, I mentioned it briefly in the first show, I'll just clarify it now. The way I'd like to explain Shema, it's not a statement of faith, but rather a pledge of allegiance. My key point is that doing tshuva presupposes the understanding that you're chosen to serve God. Not that God's working for you, but you're working for him. And then once God sees that you're a people dedicated to serving him and you want to serve him, so maybe you don't know what the right thing to do is, but you want to do the right thing. That's why we pray for God to give us wisdom to understand what the right thing to do is. That's the atachonin v'adam dat. But it all begins with the assumption that we understand that we're God's people and we're chosen to serve him. Not he chose us because we have protexia and we're special. And because we're Jewish, we have what's called protexia with God. We can say special things. God will give us protexia because we're working for him. And it's in God's interest to be good to us. Because if we, if we do our job well, it's in God's interest to help us because he'll help us so we can help him. If God sees that dedication that we want to be God's people and we want to follow God properly, then that's a reason for God to answer our prayer. So it makes sense before you pray to show God that you're dedicated to serving him. So what the rabbis call Shema, Kabbalat Omachot Shemaim, is not saying this is, I believe that God exists or I'm, on, I'm a monotheist. I don't believe in many guys, I believe in one God. We take that for granted. Shema will see, Hashem Elokeinu means Hashem is our boss. I'll try to prove it as we go through the sources. And the God who's our boss, who we're serving, he's not only our God, he's everyone's God. That's Hashem Echad. That's a theme in Sefer Devarim, which we have to prove when we study Sefer Devarim. We'll, we'll do it properly when we get to different parts of, of, um, of Shema. I just want to get the concept across to get us to Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So my point is, at the, the middle section of davening, before we have petition, before we have tefillah, we pledge allegiance to God. And then why we pledge allegiance by saying Shema, that's the Shirin Sefer Devarim. But the concept that the main point that we're making and reminding ourselves every day is that being Jewish means the understanding, not that God exists, of course he exists, but we're chosen to serve him. That's something you need to remember every day because that's a pledge of allegiance. Now, once you pledge allegiance, first I have to do it out of love. That's the first parsha Kriyat Shema. Do it because of reward and punishment, which is very practical. The second parsha Kriyat Shema. And then we read Parshat Tzitzit, which I want to talk about today, why we read Parshat Tzitzit. The two bracha before Shema come to clarify what Shema is about. So the first bracha of Shema, that's a statement of faith. That's, a, that's your belief in monotheism. That's a blessing that you believe that God created everything. Yotzer Or, Bore Choshech, Oseh Shalom, Bore Takol. Instead of thinking there's, there's many gods or all different nature gods, you're making your opening statement, believing in what Chumash talks about in the first chapter of creation, the first chapter of Rashid, that there's one God who made everything, which appears like many gods. To believe that all that comes from one creator and that creation is for a purpose, that you're reminding yourself in the first bracha of Shemonesri, but that's universal. Because I can't pledge allegiance to a God that I don't believe in. So before I pledge allegiance, I have to clarify who this God is. And he's the one and only God. That's the Hashem Nechad. The second bracha is our reminder that God chose us to serve him. And that's Hava Rabbah, which is not saying that God loves us. It's saying that God chose us. And the reason he chose us was a love decision. We're thanking God for picking us. Even though we, even though we might not even deserve that being chosen, God chose us anyhow. And therefore, we're thanking God for choosing us to serve him. And when we remember that and say that blessing, and we're thanking God for choosing us to serve him and remembering that he's Hashem Elokeinu, he's Hashem our boss, we throw in a prayer, not for our needs, we throw in a prayer, recognizing that the guide for how to serve God is the Torah. And we say, 
להבין, להשכיל, לשמור, ללמוד, ללמד, לשמור את כל דברי תלמוד תורה, ככה בעבר. We're asking God, that recognizing that the Torah is our guide, we want to serve God, but the way we serve God is by studying Torah and keeping Torah, and we pray to God before we pledge allegiance that he gives us the ability to understand and interpret the Torah and apply the Torah to the best of our ability. And how to do that, that's the challenge of being Jewish. We have to see those brochot more in detail, but I'm trying to explain the package of Kriyat Shema that comes before Tefillah. It makes sense to pledge allegiance before you ask for your needs. And when you pledge allegiance, before you pledge allegiance, you have two blessings that explain what the pledge of allegiance is about. The first blessing is recognizing that there's one God. The second is that you were chosen to serve him and the Torah is your guide. Then you pledge allegiance and you talk about how to serve God out of love and how to serve God because of reward and punishment. And then what I want to talk about today is the third parsha Kriyat Shema, which we call Parshat Tzitzit. Tell me from what you remember from learning, why do we read Parshat Tzitzit for the third parsha of Kriyat Shema? Remembering Yitzhak time. Explain what you mean. We have a mitzvah every day to remember the fact that we're, we're leaving, that we left Yitzhak, and so that's the place where we do it. Every Doesn't day, explain why every it's day there. And every, every day and every night. Yeah. You talk about that to Seder, don't you? Yeah. Why isn't every day enough? We'll see later why it's every day and every night. Explain to me again. So why do we have to mention, how can we read the third parasha of Kriyat Shema again? We become that mitzvah. Which mitzvah? Of, of remembering that, that God took us out of Egypt. In other words, we're, we're his servants. And that's, that's what we're reminding ourselves Let's of. We need to remember that he took us out. Listen carefully. Or why he took us out. This is the key point of this year. We have a miss every day to remember the Exodus. Is the key commandment to remember what happened or why it happened? You can guess what the answer is going to be. Why? If remembering what happened, that's again, we talked about that so 4,000 years ago. It's not relevant. If remembering why it happened, that's, that's half of Hamash. I don't need to remember what happened. I need to remember why it was that God put us into Egypt to take us out. I'm not thanking God out of gratitude. Oh, you did me a favor. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. That's gratitude. I need to remember why it happened and how that memory affects how I behave. What line is there in Shema, in, in the third Parsha Kriyat Shema that reminds us of the Exodus? It's an easy one. Which line in, in, in Parsha Tzitzit talks about Yitzhak Mitzrayim? Last one. The last one. So let's take a look at it and see if it, is it explaining that it happened or why it happened. Because what's the phrase? When you look at the seat, what do you remember? You see them, and you, that reminds you of keeping God's mitzvot. And then we say as follows: Why? Where's that coming from? Where's that phrase? That's the covenant we made before we got the Ten Commandments. Before we entered the covenant, God made that proposal. Do you want to work for me? And what we are is what we need to be. When we look at our tzitzit, we're supposed to remember how we have to behave. The mitzvot that we have to keep. And if we keep those mitzvot, that will make us kadosh. Again, Tusha is not what we are, it's what we need to be. What portion Baikra talks about that explicitly? It's Kedoshim to you. Ki Kedosh, and Yashem Elokechem. The idea of Bitem Kedoshim Lelokechem, that's Kriyat Shema, isn't it? The whole concept of Kabbalat Amachut Shemaim is exactly this phrase, Bitem Kedoshim Lelokechem. I'm going to prove that. That's the rest of the year today to prove that. And then, now that he says that, then it reminds you, Ani Yashem Elokechem, Ashur Tzitzit Chemer Mitzrayim. 
And that's, I'm the God who took you out of Egypt in order to be your God. There's a purpose in Yitzhak Mitzrayim. It's not that you got stuck there and God took you out. I put you in there to take you out, to make you my nation. This is going to be the theme of the two Britot that God makes with Avram Avinu. The theme of going into Egypt, to be taken out of Egypt, you know, going through oppression and redemption, and then becoming a nation, will be the theme of Brit Ben of Tarim. We're not reading the third part of Kriyat Shema just to fulfill a technical obligation. Oh, we have to mention the Exodus twice a day to say thank you. The whole concept of Parshat Tzitzit is remembering what it means to be Jewish. That when you look at your Tzitzit, you're supposed to remember what it means to be Jewish. You're supposed to remember what you took upon yourself at Har Sinai to be Kadosh to God. And the way, what makes you Kadosh to God is how you behave. And we're going to see now in Chumash that the reason we're supposed to remember the Exodus, that memory of the Exodus is going to be what we're going to describe as a transformative memory that will shape how you behave. We'll dedicate the whole share to that all through Chumash, we're going to take what happened to us in Egypt and that's going to be the key motivator about how we behave in our day-to-day life. We'll see that theme in Sefer Shemot and Parshat Mishpatim. It'll be, it'll be key in understanding Parshat Mishpatim. It'll be the grand finale of Parshat Doshim to you and it'll be the underlying theme of all the laws in Sefer Dvarim. And those are the three law sections that guide our day-to-day life in Chumash. What Chumash is going to do, Chumash is going to take our suffering in Egypt and redeem our history and we're going to use that memory to shape our behavior. And that's why the daily memory goes hand in hand with our Pledge of Allegiance. Because instead of looking at, as most people do, is that, oh, we're obligated twice a day to remember the Exodus. Why? Remember that it happened. We have to, it's gratitude. We have to say thank you. It's way more than that. That memory is part of your Kabbalat Omachot That memory shapes how you behave. And that understanding that there's a purpose in your history and you learn from your suffering and you grow from your suffering, and you learn from that how not to treat others. Let's say you're in a negative experience. Let's say you're stuck in, um, let's say you're stuck in quarantine for a week. I can take that experience and complain about it, or I can take that as an educational experience. What can I learn from it? How can I grow from it? I can take any negative experience I go through in life and turn it into a positive one by using it as a lesson. Now I suffer through something. How can I learn from there? how to appreciate what I do have, how, how to treat other people. I can take every experience I have in life with proper guidance. I can learn from it and grow from it. And therefore, remembering the Exodus is not just, oh, out of gratitude. It's remembering why you're chosen and how you learn from your history and how you learn from your suffering and how you become a better person. And therefore, it makes sense to do it when you pledge allegiance. It's probably the most important part of Kriyat Shema when you understand that context. And then we'll see how this the Seder every year is going to come and emphasize that point. Now, that phrase, for those who don't remember, yeah, that's Brit Milah. But it's the first Brit between God and Avram B'Shem Adukim. Just a, a quick review from Chumash. There's two key Britot that God makes with Avram Avinu. In Seder Brashid, there's Brit Milah and Brit Ben of Tarim. Uh, which one is, which, which name of God goes with which one? Who remembers? B'Shem Adukim with Brit Milah, B'Shem with or basically Shem Elohim or the story of creation in nature is always Shem Elohim and the God of history God who intervenes in historical events making nations Shem Yud Kivavke that God's name of Migdal when nations form and that's the God who tells Avram to begin his journey from Kasdim. that'd be the, the God of Yitzhak Mitzrayim God's interaction with man with Am Yisrael comes in two different perspectives and Chumash uses the two, two names of God 
to explain those two perspectives. I'm making a big deal about them because there's a famous law that you can't bring carbon Pesach unless you do Brit Milah. There's no other law like that, that if I don't do this law, I can't do that law. But Chumash is very explicit in the end of Perik Bet and Shmot, that if you don't do Brit Milah, you can't bring carbon Pesach. And Korban Pesach will prove later on. It's clearly thanking God for Brit Ben And Putting the two together is not just, oh, they're two Britot. They're actually the only two mitzvot that say that if you don't fulfill them, you have karet, which means karet is a consequence, not a punishment, because they're, all, they're both covenantal. So when you have an opportunity to enter a covenant and you don't enter that covenant, if you can bring Korban Pesach and you don't bring it, by not doing that, you're basically saying, I don't want to be part of the covenant. If I can do Brit Milan, I don't do it. It's a way of saying I don't identify with the covenant. So the consequence, not the punishment, the consequence of those acts, of not doing those things, is going to be correct. And the connection between them will be key to understanding the whole theme of Brishi. We'll go back and do this more in detail, but just a quick reminder of what Brit Milan was about. So let me just summarize my point. I'm going to show you in a minute, while I will do it right now. The Brit, the Brit Milan, that's always a good, fun question to ask people when you're in a Brit. People think Brit means circumcision. Brit means covenant. And circumcision is an oath Brit. It's a reminder of the covenant. When you ask people, what's the covenant at a bris? People usually have no idea. They think the covenant is circumcision. The circumcision is an oath Brit. It's a sign of the Brit. It's just like Shabbat is an oath Brit to Brit Sinai. It's just like the rainbow is a covenant for the Brit between God and creation after the flood. So the phrase which comes up like many times in Chumash, it starts with the flood, after the flood. The Brit is to be your God, and the Korleil will be, you'll be my people. We'll see that soon. But to understand what it means that I'm your God and you're my people, so we have to read Brit Milah from the beginning. So up until this point, Elohim had never spoken to anyone since Brit Keshet. Remember the last time Elohim spoke to anyone, Shem Elohim, was God's covenant with Noah after the flood. We call that the rainbow covenant, where God promises never to bring another flood again or not to start over. He accepts mankind the way it is, with all its faults. And then we're living now in the world of Tshuva. And then God picks Abram, B'Shem Yud Kevavke, uh, has all that history. And now, in Perik Zion, uh, when Abram's already 99, about to have a child, remember uh, Brit Milah and Brit Keshet, they always come with the phrase Purvul. Shem Elohim and Purvul always go hand in hand. The ability to have children that goes hand in hand with nature. So Avram's 99, Hashem would appear to Avram so far, B'Shem Yudke now tells him Aniel Shaddai, that's a special name that starts with Brit Milah. And the famous command, that's going to be basically what we're all about. Do I understand what it means? Read Tilim Tedvav. So Mizmor the David, that's a question. Who's worthy of dwelling in your tent? Who could dwell on your holy mountain? Those and What's the answer? Holech tamim. Where's that coming from? Holech tamim. Is that Brit Puel tzedek. Look how this matches perfectly. Yishayel and Yemiel and Shlomo Melech and every other navi. Lo ragal shonol salarei ora bechapalon nasav krovol. Nivzeh beinav nima sekirah Hashem yichabed nishbal ora v'lo yamer. It's a classic. So if I want an understanding what does it mean to Tilim has a beautiful interpretation of it. 
Now, let's go back to uh, back to Brick Mila. Right, let me ask a question before him. Who remembers why God changes Avram's name to Abraham? Anyone remember why? What's that mean? Make you into a father, mentor of nations. That's got to be something very central because it's Avram's name change. Avram doesn't have children until he gets his name changed. The whole process of becoming God's nation and having children with Purvul, we'll see the blessing of Purvul, is going to come with a name change. So let's look carefully of what's the meaning of, of Avram on going. Remember that phrase, if you have Shabbos in your memory from yesterday, or the day before, whatever it was, Shabbat is a Brit Olam, it's an old Brit, it's Beni Uvein. We'll see all the same phrases here. And then God, Elohim says as follows. Stop here for a minute. What should follow? God's talking to Avram Avinu and introducing, I'm about to make a Brit with you. Logically, what should follow? The purpose of the Brit or the reward for the Brit? I'm going to enter a captain. I should explain what the reward is or what the purpose is? Purpose. Of course, it's going to be the purpose. And therefore, what's the purpose of the Brit? I'm choosing you to be a father, not of many nations, but for many nations, like a mentor. But Yeshayahu's concept of being a light to other nations, or what we'll see later in Sefer Dvarim. God's telling Avram, I'm making a Brit because I want you to start a nation that's going to be a model for other nations to learn from. The idea of an Av, you have many times in Chumash, like um, Yosef was an Av Taparo. Remember, he tells his brothers, go tell daddy, I'm an av taparo. means I'm his mentor. He looks up to me. An av is not always only a biological father. An av can be like someone people look up to. So I'm making a break in order to become an av hamongoyim, which would be the biggest thing of Hamish. And therefore, I'm changing your name from Avram to Abraham. Why? Ki av hamongoyim natatecha. Natatecha means I'm, I'm giving you a job. I'm not saying it will be, it's what can be. I'm giving you a destiny, what you need to be. Because all the devotes about Avram Avinu, it's not what will be, it's what can be. It's eternal because it always can be. If it will be, that's up to us, if we live up to it. And therefore, God has an eternal Brit. And we talk about this idea of a Brit Olam. This is a Brit forever. We always have this possibility. If we live up to it, that's the challenge of Jewish history. Now, to become that nation, I have to, have to give you children. So I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to set you aside for the sake of nations. And you'll have a kingdom. You'll be a people. You'll have a nation. And I'll establish my breed between me and you. Remember, and all your offspring. The breed Olam. Just like God's breed with Noah. is there'll never be another fraud. That's also a breed Olam. Nature will always be there. In the same way, he's breed with Amisro forever. And the goal of the breed is, I'll be your God. And we'll see the correlate will be, you'll be my people. As a vehicle to fulfill that goal. I'm going to set aside the land of Israel. That'll be the place where you become that nation. And there, I'll be your God. I took you out of Egypt. I'm giving land of Israel. And that's what we say in Shema. God's involved in our history in order that he's our God. And so we can serve and we'll be his people. I want to prove to you now that the phrase is key to Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And the corollary is Patem Tulelam. So we're about to leave Egypt. Remember in Parshat Ba'era, God tells Moshe and Hashem, where God says, I pair to Avram Yitzhak Be'el Shaddai, that's Brit Milah without a doubt. The Gamma Kimotet Briti, that's exactly Brit Milah, isn't it? That's word for word Brit Milah. 
And Pasakim is going to be Brit Ben of Tarim. We're not there yet, but we'll go back to it. And I heard the cry, the suffering of an Israel in Egypt. That's called Britim. Got the two Britot, that'll be the background. Those are Psukim we have to return to later on. This all Pasuk Vav is all Brit Ben of Tarim. I'm going to take you out of Egypt. I'm going to save you from your oppression. I'll redeem you. Punish your oppressor. That's Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Step two, Har Sinai, That's fulfilling the goal of Brit Milah. When God picks Avram Avinu, he talks about the idea of being a nation, but we don't become a nation until we get out of Egypt. As if we don't become a people. And therefore, the concept of the nation, sort of the DNA in the nation, is a Brit Milah with Avram Avinu, becomes official at Brit Sinai. Therefore, you find the exact same phrases at Brit Sinai. I'm showing the connection between Baiti Lechem Lelohim, a Brit Milah, and Batem Tilelam. Then when I take you out, Bidatem, Kiani Hashem Elokechem, that'd be the first commandment, Amotziyat Chemitachat Sivot Mitzrayim. And then after you enter the Brit at Har Sinai, then I can bring you to the land, and then you become a nation. And then you'll inherit the land, and then it'll be yours. But that's the promise of the Britot coming together. So uh, let me summarize what I try to show you today is that little by little, I want to get to the theme of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. I'm trying to show you that when God chooses a nation, there's a purpose in choosing a nation. There's a purpose in Jewish history. And God cares about all humankind, expects them to be good, and they tend to do bad. That's the first 11 chapters of Bereshit. God afterwards is going to choose a nation to have an impact. And therefore, he's going to watch their history and guide that history with the hope that that nation will act in a way that will sanctify God. And the way we sanctify God is by our day-to-day behavior. The whole process of becoming a nation through suffering in someone else's land and redemption and remembering that suffering and learning from it and that becoming a way of life and living a life of learning from your, like learning how to treat other people from the mistakes that you made or from, from other people do to you and trying your best to build that society and do that in the name of God. That's going to be the key theme of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. That'll connect the theme of Yitzhak Mitzrayim to being an Eben Hashem, and that'll, go, going back to Davling, that'll explain why when we do Kablat HaMachut Shemayim, remember, we were chosen by God at Har Sinai to serve him. It makes sense to do that before we daven. And we'll see, in the next couple of Shurim, we'll see how the theme of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the whole reason why God put us into Egypt, to take us out of Egypt, that understanding will be key to that idea of how we have to learn from our history. We have to learn from our suffering how to treat other people. And the main way God judges us is based on how we treat other people and the society that we build. And we dive to remember that theme every day. And that theme is so important, it needs constant repetition and constant uh, reinforcement. And then we'll see how the Seder is going to be the yearly recharge of that theme. And we'll see later when we get to the Haggadah itself, we'll see how everything we're talking about is all in the Haggadah.